if your goal is to make a lot of money, specialize in that niche and dominate it, I haven't necessarily specialized. I've done a wide variety of a lot of different things. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And... He is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free and then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff with that. How you doing, Michael Flight? Hey, Joe. It's a pleasure to talk with you today. Well, it's a pleasure to be talking to you too, my friend, because you have got a lot of real estate investing experience, and I'm excited to dive in. Michael is the president of Concordia Realty Corporation, and he owns office buildings, multifamily apartment buildings, and has developed condominium projects. He's a licensed commercial real estate broker and has been since 1986, and he's based in Westchester, Illinois. With that being said, Michael, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Well, Joe, our primary focus and my primary focus has been since the mid-1980s, retail real estate. So the most experience I have is in shopping centers and retail real estate. And the reason for that is, is when I started out as a broker, I was basically lazy and figured out fast that if you got a retail client, you could potentially do 10 to 15 to 20 deals in the Chicago market, and you wouldn't have to go out and start all over again. If you were an office broker, you'd do your deal, and then you'd have to go start all over again. So out of basic laziness, I'm in retail. I should know this, but why is that? If you're a representative and you're repping a shopping center tenant, a lot of times the chain stores will do multiple stores. So, mm. for example, some stores like Starbucks have 23,000 stores, and 
So that's why it's a little bit easier. If you do break into the business, you can do multiple deals with the same tenant. Okay, makes sense. And you also invest in real estate, don't you? That's correct. Our focus right now and has been since 1990, the predominantly shopping centers, but we have done everything from single family fix and flips to, as I said, we've done condo conversion projects. We have invested in office buildings, but our primary focus and where I'm most experienced and where we have the most value is retail real estate. I'm smiling ear to ear because I don't frequently interview a guest who is focused on shopping centers, and so I am really excited to dive in. Let's educate myself and perhaps some best ever listeners on shopping centers. You've been focusing on it and investing since 1990 and representing buyers and sellers since the mid-80s, correct? That's correct. Okay. How should we approach our conversation? Because we want to learn the most we possibly can about shopping center investing. What are your thoughts? Well, we primarily look for value-added real estate. So when we're evaluating shopping center, we typically aren't doing something that's 100% leased. But most of the projects that we've been involved with have a lot of hair on them. So it could be, for example just outdated tenancy, but it's a great corner. And specifically, I can talk to you about a deal that we just finished up to 100% lease last year, and that's a 300,000-square-foot shopping center in Berlin, Illinois. And so that always had a great corner. We had tenants in there that were at the top of their chain in terms of sales, but it just needed some work. It needed to be redeveloped, and it needed to get rid of some of the tenants that were dragging it down. And so we approached it, actually, and it had some vacant land out in front of it. Those buildings like restaurants and Walgreens and stuff out in the front are called out parcels. And so we had a Walgreens in the shopping center that had been in the shopping center since 1957, and they were doing huge, huge volume, and they wanted to relocate out to the pad. So Our first move was to relocate them out to the pad. We backfilled them with a few tenants. We went and obtained financing and then put a new facade on the shopping center. We redid the parking lot to add additional landscaping in there. And the shopping center was known for having quirky artwork out in the front. So we also put in some wind turbines to get a little movement and color and and things like that redid the signs, and then we signed a a lease. It took eight years to do this deal, but we did a lease with Meyer Company, which is a hypermarket out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they probably have close to 400 stores now. They're one of the largest private companies in the country, but we did a ground lease with them, so what that entailed was we had to knock down close to 40% of the shopping center right in the middle of the shopping center while it was still operating and put back in. uh, There was basements down below there, so we had to fill in that down below there and then deliver them a pad, and then they built their own building on top of the pad that we delivered them. Mm. And when we were doing that work, we also found underground storage tanks and leaking oil and all the rest of that, (laughs) so then you get into environmental cleanup. So. 
one of my claims to fame is I'm a hazardous waste generator in a few different states. <laughs> All right. You definitely gave me enough stuff to talk to you about for a very long time. Let me recap what I just heard, and then let me ask some specific questions. So it's a 300,000-square-foot shopping center. You've mentioned a couple times Great Corner. I want to come back to that in a second. And tenant top of the chain in sales already. But you had to get rid of some tenants that were dragging it down, and there was some vacant land out front. And so as a value-add investor, you did the following things. You got rid of the tenants. You relocated Walgreens to out front. You got a new facade, new parking lot, new landscaping, put in wind turbines, and redid the signs, and then did a ground lease with the Meyer company. Did I capture all the major value-add components to the deal? Yeah, and I omitted one thing. And then after we did Meyer last year we just finished up, we built a shell for Ross. So we had to knock down another portion of the shopping center and built a building for Ross. They took it and fitted out their building and, and they're in there now too. So we yeah. ended up demolishing close to 50% of the shopping center. All right. A couple questions. You said you built a shell because you brought in Ross. Who pays for that? Like say Ross comes to you and says, yeah, this looks interesting. Build me a shell. How do you pay for that? Well, that could be done in a number of different ways. So we could have just said to Ross, we'll demolish it and we'll do a ground lease, which is what we did with Meyer. But Ross didn't want to do that. In our negotiations with Ross, they wanted to pay a certain price per square foot and they wanted it delivered completely what's called a turnkey. So you build everything and the only thing they have to do is come in and put in their fixtures. The numbers didn't work at that. So we ended up doing kind of a hybrid, whereas we built the shell for them and they finished it out with their tenant build out. And so it's basically we knocked down a portion of the shopping center, also found some more leaking underground storage tanks and um, then had to build a pad and then we utilized concrete tilt up and put the new roof on and all the rest of it. And so then they got a shell, which then we turned it over to them. They came in and built out, put drywall in and um, a drop ceiling. That's called a white box or a vanilla box and a shopping center retail lingo. Who pays for that? They paid for their work, and we paid for the shell. The shell all in probably was about $3 million five to construct. We also had site work involved because the city made us put in underground water detention. So we had to drop this big cavern-type thing down below the parking lot and then cover it up again. $3.5 Is that just in your bank account or is that financed? We pulled financing on the shopping center in 2010 to do the parking lot renovation and the facade renovation. We then went back. The life insurance company that we borrowed from was very happy with the loan and very happy with the way things came out. They loaned us additional money to do the demolition and deliver the pad for the mire 
And then we went back to them a third time, and they loaned us, I want to say, around $3.5 million to complete the Ross. And then, additionally, the numbers didn't quite work as well as we thought they would, so we went to the city that the property is located in, and we requested assistance, and that comes in the form of tax increment financing. So if you build the new thing, the taxes will go up, and so the city takes the sales taxes and the increased real estate taxes and applies a portion of those to paying off our loan. Mm. Who do you talk to at the city, and what do you have to show them in order to make that happen? With this particular city, they have an economic development separate entity, and so you end up dealing with the economic development entity, and you do what's called a redevelopment agreement. You have to show that the property is blighted, and without this, it couldn't work, and you have to show them your numbers on the deal, and it has to make sense for the taxpayers. And we had done a similar transaction with the city in the 1990s where we did a sales tax increment. And we were supposed to have that paid off over 10 years, and the property performed so well that it was paid off in six years. And we you believe that our current agreement with them is going to be the same thing. It's going to be really – it's advantageous for the city because they increase their tax base. Mm -hmm. And in the state of Illinois, the city gets 1% to 2% of all the sales taxes, too. So it's an incentive for them to have a lot of retailers and retailers doing good sales. Right, yeah, because the more business and the more tax they get as a result of it. Right. You said it took eight years to do the deal. Can you elaborate? We had, in the middle of the shopping center, a large tenant go into bankruptcy. It was called Service Merchandise. And so we had to go through bankruptcy court in order to get the property back from the retailer. And so typically, either the retailer gives you the property back or you have to pay them money to get the lease back. And bankruptcy is nasty, but it ends up on this one. We were like one of the last ones out of bankruptcy court because we were arguing over the amount of real estate taxes that they owed us. And so we actually had to go down to Tennessee and litigate that. The other thing is that space didn't cover everything that we needed to put a 90,000-square-foot Meyer store in. So we had to vacate out a redevelopment area so that we could actually then deliver it and demolish those spaces and deliver it. And so we ended up relocating Office Depot to a vacant Circuit City because Circuit City had gone into bankruptcy, and so we split that off. So there was a ton of moving parts, and that's how it took eight <laughs> years to get it done. And when you say eight years to get it done, how are you defining getting it done? Signing the lease. So in my business, signing the lease is just kind of the start, and then you get into construction and you have to deliver the space to them. And some tenants are easy because it's like we sign the lease, you take it as is, and they move in and they start paying rent within 30 to 90 days. Other tenants, like with Meyer, we delivered them a pad, and then they had probably nine to ten months of construction before they had their grand opening and started paying rent. Mm. And so when you're talking about eight years to get it done, you're talking about specifically the lease with Meyer, 
that took eight years? Yeah, we started out with actually a different supermarket chain. The crazy thing was the guy that who was the supermarket real estate representative for that chain then moved to Meyer, and so we eventually got the deal done with him mm-hmm. at a different store. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's all about good real estate. During those eight years that you had one of your tenants go into bankruptcy and you're not collecting anything for those eight years, are you making money? On this particular center, we were. There's other centers that we've operated where it's on a razor-thin margin, and so when you have shopping centers can be capital-intensive and take some staying power to put something together. We're actually looking at a deal now that's 50% vacant, and the amount of financing we're going to have to put on it, we know that we're going to run a loss for two years on it. And so I was talking to the seller today, and he's trying to get us up on our number. And we said, this is what it is. This is going to be two to a million five of losses for the next two to three years. So there's not a whole lot of room in it. What type of financing is available? I'm familiar with multifamily and commercial loans, but what about for distressed shopping centers? Typically, that would be in a form of like a bridge loan. So it'd almost be like a development loan. So you would buy the property. It'd be a three, four, or five-year term on the loan, and you would do what you need to do. In a lot of situations, if you say, I'm going to put this tenant in, this tenant in, this tenant in, and it's going to take X amount of dollars in tenant improvement allowance, or it's going to take X amount of dollars to redo the roofs and stuff like that, those lenders will lend you the money to purchase the shopping center, and then they'll hold back money. And as you do the things, then they'll release the money similar to like a development loan. You've mentioned Great Corner a couple times. Is it literally on a corner? And is that what you look for? Or when you say Great Corner, is that a term that you use? No, it literally is. If you want a well-located shopping center, you really want to be on a corner of a busy street. What you'll find out in retail real estate is the real estate costs to the tenant aren't the most expensive thing that they've got going. So it doesn't matter if you give them, if it's a bad location, even if you give them the space, they still lose a lot of money based on operating with just keeping the store with inventory and payroll and everything. Mm -hmm. So real estate occupancy costs is probably, so that's why you see sometimes a lot of vacant stores where the tenant just closes, like a supermarket will close down and stay vacant and pay rent to be there, but they lose less money just paying the rent than they would keeping the store open. So if it's a good location, then a tenant's going to do business. And if a tenant does business, all the rest of the tenants know that they're doing business and so they want to be there. Wow. If it's a bad location, it's a little tougher to get people into it. That's an insight that I will definitely take to heart, especially when thinking about retail shopping centers. Not that I'm in the market to start expanding into that, but it is that's very interesting thinking about it from the basically the customer standpoint and how rent isn't the most expensive expense for them and location is the most important thing for them. Does that mean that you would never buy a shopping center that doesn't have the prime exposure? I wouldn't say we'd never 
five because we're looking at one that's off the corner, but the demographics are compelling enough and it's close enough to the corner that there's enough stuff going on there. It's just you're always better to be at what they call main and main. So if you are right on the hard corner and all the traffic is going by there in two directions, the other thing is you can be on a corner, but you might not be able to get in and out of the shopping center. So access is another huge thing. If it's got one to two entrances on each side of it, it's an excellent thing versus only right in and right out, that type of stuff. If you could only review two pieces of demographic information in order to make a decision on a location for a shopping center, what two pieces of information must you have? Household income and population density. Typically, when you're looking at demographics, it really depends on what type of shopping center it is. So if it's a grocery-anchored shopping center, that would be more of a neighborhood draw. And so you would want one, two, and three-mile radius as to how much population is there because people aren't going to drive 20 miles to go to the supermarket unless it's a really unique supermarket. And if it's more of a regional draw or if it's a mall, mall trade areas in certain markets can go up to to 20 to 40 miles, depending if it's a super regional mall, it can be drawing people from several different states. You have to know what a trade area is and what the type of tenants are and how far they're drawing. Yeah, I feel like we're getting a master's degree class level right now in retail shopping centers. I freaking love this so much. (laughs) What is your best real estate investing advice ever as it relates to what you do? It's kind of simple. If your goal is to make a lot of money, specialize in that niche and dominate it, I haven't necessarily specialized. I've done a wide variety of a lot of different things. I can say that I haven't been as successful as I could have been if I would have just concentrated solely on retail properties. But I can also say that I've had a lot of fun doing a bunch of different things. And probably my ADD, I can't focus on one thing. I've got to just jump around every once in a while and do different things. Well, the ADD will be beneficial to you as we enter the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you looking to boost your investment returns? Then MC Laubscher has a unique strategy to maximize the use of every dollar. If you're interested to learn more about infinite banking, you can request your free copy of Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash from MC. Just email MC at info at cashflowninja.com that's I-N-F-O at CashflowNinja.com. Best ever deal you've done? I would say it has to be doing the ground lease with Meyer. It took eight years to pull together, but it worked out great for the community. And it was actually Meyer's first ground lease ever. They had typically bought their own property in the past before that. What was your all-in price and what is it worth today, the shopping center? 
all in, it was probably somewhere in the $18 million range, and the property is probably a, a $42 million property now if it was sold. Best ever book you've read? That's tough because I read or listen to about 70 books a year. But for life, I would say Halftime with Bob Buford. It talks about what are you going to do with the second half of your life. Since I'm 50, a friend of mine gave me that at 40, 45 actually. And for real estate, one of the best books, it goes back to 1987. It's the Yes, I Can Guide to Mastering Real Estate. It was written by Stephen Fogel. He's chairman of the board of Westwood Financial Corporation. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I don't really like the term give back because it assumes I've taken something. Compelled by my faith in Christ to do things for other people. And so I utilize the talents that I've received from God by doing real estate, actually, for several ministries, one of which is Chicago Hope Academy in the city. All their uh, students are below average income level, and they've put together a strategy for flipping houses to generate cash for the high school. And um, I serve on their real estate board and have hooked them up with banks to get them line of credits. And last year, I think they actually through their house operation, raised $650,000 for the high school by flipping houses. That's incredible. What's a mistake that you've made on a deal that you want to share? On a single family flip, on a non-real estate deal, I lost a ton of money in an internet company that had nothing to do with real estate, so I should have never gotten into it. So that was my worst deal. And then on the single family fix and flips, we had had a property that was in a bad town. And this is one of my biggest advices. Always check with what type of town it is, because if the town's corrupt and if the town has high taxes and the town has all kinds of problems, just no matter how good of a deal it seems, just run away from it with your hair on fire. But the deal that we had was a single family. We also got out in front of the contractor. He said he was doing the work and we didn't check on it and I paid him because he was my partner's brother and ended up losing probably $40,000 on that deal. But like I say, the, the talent also sunk us too. What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? They can contact me through my email. It is mflight, that's M-F-L-I-G-H-T at concordiarealty.com. That's C-O-N-C-O-R-D-I-A. R-E-A-L-T-Y dot com. I love this conversation so much. I could ask you questions and soak up your knowledge for many hours, but I won't do that because you've got more retail shopping centers to assess and make money on. I'm very grateful for our conversation. I mean, you shared five plus ways to add value with shopping centers, new facade, new parking lot, new landscaping, boot and tenants who were dragging it down and filling it up with other tenants as well as redoing signs and any number of things. The city assistance program too, where that helps with the overall cost of the project. Many things. Then the three ways to evaluate a retail deal from a very high level, at least eyeballing it. Access, what type of access do you have to and from the main on main phrase that you mentioned, and then the demographics, income and population density. Thanks so much for being on the show. I learned a lot. I hope the best ever listeners did too. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you very much. I really appreciate and um, I love listening to your show. I learn something new every day, no matter who you're doing. So I really appreciate the time and thank you for doing this. Are you looking to boost your investment returns? Then MC Laubscher has a unique strategy to maximize the use of every dollar. If you're interested to learn more about infinite banking, you can request your free copy of Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash from MC. Just email MC at info at cashflowninja.com. That's I-N-F-O at cashflowninja.com.